This is Raptors Shootaround. It's on to the finals. A TSN 1050 playoff special. Oh, baby, what a play. The Raptors and the NBA Finals live here. Oh, yes, guy. Now, wait a minute. That was last week when we were apprehensive. That was an apprehensive, oh, yes, guy. Because everything's on the line today, it should sound more like this. Oh, yes, guy. Are you kidding me? Wow, what a day this could be. What a day it is. Welcome to Raptor Shootaround. Coming up in this hour, this hour only, right here on this particular broadcast. Rod Black, the TSN Raptors host, followed by Josh Lewenberg. Up later on, we will have on this particular show Steve Simmons, uh, Kurt Heelan from NBC, Chuck Swirsky, former Raptors play-by-play voice, now with the Bulls, Jack Armstrong, Matthew Cause, and a host of other hijinks planned and unplanned. But right now, top drawer, Rod Black. Rod, how are you this morning? Yes. God. <laughs> I was going to do an, an over-under on what the possibility you would start the conversation that way would be. How many, how many have we done this year? Probably about 20, 25. I think I've started Yes Guy every time. That's right. Here, here and there. Or maybe it's... I should start Fun Guy. Fun Guy. Well, I mean, that, and that's really, you know, when you know this better than anybody. When you approach these assignments, uh, you, you know, you, you like for things to turn out, but you're, you know, you're, you're, you have your job to do yeah. and, and you just, you enjoy the moment. You literally are able to break it down to the moment. Yeah, absolutely, Jim. I mean, Hey, you know, I, everywhere we've gone, uh, you know, during the playoffs and, you know, I hang out with Leo a lot and Jack and the boys and, you know, there are a lot of fans obviously on the street, a chance to chat with them and, you know, they're excited. I think, you know, we're excited to cover the team. We have to be impartial and, and unbiased, but let's face it. I mean, we're not having this conversation today. This this ride doesn't go this far unless there's success from the team, and and this team has been so successful. This has been an, an incredible, a magical ride that you know still isn't over yet. You know, but the pot of gold is 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 within reach, and that pot of gold happens to be that Larry O'Brien Trophy, and. You know, everybody's saying that the Larry O'Brien Trophy is, is, has never been north of the border. Well, actually, I want to correct a lot of people. It has, and I've seen it north of the border. It's just never been won by a team north of the border. I remember a couple of years ago, Tristan Thompson had it at the restaurant one in Yorkville after he won because you get it for a day or whatever. And so, you know, some Canadians have been lucky to win this thing. Uh, but this would be a Canadian based team winning this thing if they can and it's it's still not done okay so rod the correct line is awarded for the first time north of the border thank you yeah yes, there awarded. it is okay yes. <laughs> um you know i want to go back to game four i mean i just uh you know sitting in the studio watching that and, and talking about it yesterday with you and, and other people and again today that game four was i'm going to say the best game in raptors history just just because of the importance of it and how they went about their business. I don't know that at that level they've ever won a game like that. I mean, certainly against the Bucs, they, they did that. But this yeah. is the Warriors. I mean, this was full value. Yeah. I thought, you know, you, you can kind of go through the, the etymology of, of what's happened, you know, and then chronicle how, how this journey has gone. And there have been big shots and big games. And you think about game four in Philly. You think about game seven against Philly. And you're right against Milwaukee. But, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it was, you know, certainly their best closeout game, the way they played in the clutch and the way they played under pressure. But think about the way game four started. They, you know, oh. both teams were crappy. Yeah. You know, it was awful. It was awful. But I think that was the moment. I think it was nervous. I think it was anxious. I think it was intense. Nobody was making shots. And then all of a sudden, Kawhi Leonard just took over, you know, 14 of the 17 first quarter points. And, and he kind of set the tone. And, 
they've been so businesslike. They've been so um, focused through this. This think about this, Jim. They've won seven of the last eight games against the top two teams record-wise in the NBA. Seven of the last eight games. And I know there have been like these naysayers and commentators, particularly, you know, that are from south of the border that, you know, have not given them much of a chance. Vegas odds makers not giving them much of a chance. Guess what? They're the best team in basketball right now, and they have a chance to lay claim to that at the final game of the season if they can do that tonight. They are playing the best basketball at the right time. Oh, absolutely. And I think uh, most people would agree that to win it in five over the Warriors would take the sting out or, or e- eliminate some of that uh, they got a break with the Warriors' health thing. Five, yeah, you, you I, can't I deny so. a 4-1 series yep. win. Yeah, you know, it's going to be unfortunate because, you know, there are going to be some so-called experts who are going to put an asterisk of some sort uh, beside this because the Warriors are beaten up. But guess what? The Raptors are hurting, too. You know, yeah. Kyle Lowry has a dislocated thumb. You know, Kawhi Leonard's playing on, uh, you know, wounded legs. Um, you know, you go down the list. Fred Van Vliet looks like he just went through the Stanley Cup final. You know, it's been, <laughs> it's, been, it, it's been crazy and crazier uh, through, through the playoffs. Now, again, the Warriors have not having Kevin Durant, that is a major, major miss. And I suppose there is a chance tonight, even though Intel and the insiders have told us that he would not play in this series, that he might play tonight. Uh, I, 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 they had him practice yesterday. They, he was listed as absolutely doubtful the other day. He's listed as questionable now. That's the same thing that Kayvon Looney went through. And so is there a chance he could play tonight? I guess there is a chance. And he's probably going to only be about a 60 to 70% Kevin Durant that we know. But then again, a 60 to 70% Kevin Durant is still better than probably 90% of the NBA at a hundred percent, if you know what I mean, those are yeah. a lot of numbers. I, no, I, I get you, and, and he is a at the very least uh, for the first time in his career would be kind of a distraction because you don't know what to expect, and you're going to have to spend some time figuring out what you're going to get out of him. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and and he, by the way, he's phenomenal. He's like Kawhi Leonard. He's phenomenal. He changes games. There's been no player like uh, you know Kevin Durant, you know, probably through NBA history with his length, his ability to shoot the ball. He's clutch. He's a champion. And, and so are the Golden State Warriors. This is not going to be easy. It's a closeout game. This is not going to be easier. If the Warriors make their shots tonight and, and get that cushion, that lead here, that could really deflate the Toronto Raptors. And you know what they want to do? They want to silence that crowd. That crowd's going to be nuts. Nuts. If they can keep the crowd quiet, you never know. Then we're going back to Golden State. I never thought I'd say this, Jim. I don't want to go back to San Francisco. Yeah. I know why, because it, it opens up a big door, and then, you know, six games can become seven really fast. And San Francisco is one of the most beautiful places in the world. I don't want to go back to San Francisco. Well, they've already won twice there, so... Yeah, good point. Yeah. Um, uh, what, what I think what is confidence-building for Raptor fans would be how this team plays and how it wins. Uh, you know, obviously, you're saying there that, that nobody's going to hand you the fourth win of a series, and that's true, but, but I don't know that anybody's handed the Raptors anything. They've taken it. Yeah, they have. They 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 play great basketball. They've been so focused. They aren't celebrating at any point. They're never celebrating. You never see. I mean, the only time I've seen them celebrate was that closeout over Philadelphia, and that was because of the dramatics right. of it. Uh, but they, you know, they don't dance. There's no swagger, and it comes and it emanates from the chill man. You know, Mr. Freeze, and, and that's Kawhi. I mean, if anybody's cooler than that guy, I have not met that person. He is so clutch. 
Uh, he, you know, that, that lack of a pulse, believe me, underneath there is a pulse, but that lack of a pulse is emanating and permeating to the rest of the team. And Kyle Lowry's learning from him. You know, Gasol's learning. Ibaka, Pascal Siakam of anybody should learn because, you know, he can play frantic at times. He's learning from him. And, and by the way, the job that Nick Nurse has done has been absolutely extraordinary considering he's a rookie head coach, but he's not really a rookie. He's been around and he's won championships, just never at the NBA level. Uh, what I like about Kawhi is, you know, the, the post-game stuff. I mean, those aren't uh, cliche-written answers. They're well thought out. They're, yeah. they're, they're respectful answers. Uh, yeah. Sometimes he, he will ponder what he's going to say, but they're sincere. And not every athlete does that in that situation. Yeah, Jim, or he's, you know what, he's, he, he doesn't say much, but he says a lot. Yeah. Which is, yeah, he, he doesn't waste words. And if you, if you listen to him, it's sometimes very cryptic. And, you know, he, I think he even said something yesterday about, you know, not purchasing a house that might have, you know, thrown some people, hey, okay, maybe we have a chance to keep Kawhi Leonard. Uh, and maybe not. And that's the big question. Will he stay? Will he go? Whatever happens after this. I think if they win, you know, why wouldn't he stay? There's a lot of money on the table. He's got a chance to make it two in a row, maybe three. They're the best team in the East. Why would you want to go build something elsewhere? But that's up to Kawhi Leonard. If someone said to you, Jim, last year on July, I think it was 13th or 18th when they made that deal, you know, you're going to have Kawhi Leonard for a year and you have a chance to win an NBA title and you're only going to have him for one year. Would you take it? Oh yeah. Well, of course you. Well, of course yeah. you would. Yeah. The problem is, you know, it, it's it's so intoxicating, and you 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 become infatuated with the player because he is so spectacular that you want to keep him for a long time. And maybe the love that Canadians are showing him. Maybe, uh, one thing about Kawhi Leonard, he loves loyalty. He loves the love, and he may not show it, but I know he loves the love. Well, and I don't think he could be loved any more than than here in the north. Well, that storyline is, is interesting. I mean, you know this city as well as anybody, and, and that type of story, will he stay or will he go, generally gets in the way of what's actually happening. And in this particular case, because everybody seems to be enjoying the moment, which, which again is odd for Toronto, mm -hmm. uh, enjoying the moment, that, that, that story, I mean, it's there, but it doesn't overtake anything. No, no, it doesn't. And I, I, again, I think it's because it's an unknown moment. It's, there's so much unknown here. How many times have you and I chatted over the last few weeks and had absolutely no idea what kind of game we would have that night. I was chatting with Mike Breen, you know, the, the legendary announcer for ABC who does the NBA Finals, just a terrific guy, great gentleman, great announcer. And, you know, Mike's seen, you know, way more games than any of us, and he was saying the same thing. He's never been in a postseason where, you know, every night you go in, you, you don't know what to expect. I mean, hey, we don't know what to expect tonight, too. We didn't see that coming in game four in, in Golden State. And I think that's the beauty of the NBA playoffs this year and the beauty of the Toronto Raptors. We don't know what to expect. What we do know is that they're going to give a tremendous defensive effort because we've seen that really over the last couple of weeks. And, they, and, and this basketball team we're watching right now, Jimmer, is unlike anything we have seen certainly in Raptor history. But over the last season, like over the last regular season, I mean, we watched them during the regular season. We didn't know what we were going to get. Yeah. We watched them during the first round of the playoffs. They were still building. We watched them evolve through the Philadelphia series and learn from losing. We watched them against Milwaukee where they were the underdogs, and we saw them absolutely step on Goliath, stomp Goliath. And now we are really seeing this team playing the absolute best basketball it can possibly play at the most perfect time of the year and a chance to finally hoist something that I don't think many of us thought we would see in our lifetime.
Well, I, I think it's a remarkable story. That evolution you're talking about with the team has actually even happened in the four games that have been played in the NBA final. And again, I go back to that game four win. That was something, I, the way that was done, I did not see that. No, no. And I, I, I guess it's because of the mystery of the team that we didn't really, you know, you don't know about growth. It's like watching your kids grow up. You know, you see them as, you know, young kids, then teenagers, and, and you, then you kind of go through the ups and downs and the pitfalls, and you, you want to see them grow to, to, to adults and, and be safe and be smart and, and be winners in life. And, and, you know, really, that's what we've watched. We watched this baby that was hatched by, you know, Messiah Jury last year. It was a completely different team. We've watched them, you know, it was, it was germinated, grew, everything happened, and all of a sudden, more and more and more. And I, I, do, I do believe in the word belief. The, 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 the belief that this team has right now is unwavering, and you see it in their eyes. I see it, in, and I don't see it in Golden State's eyes, by the, with the way. You know, oh. I saw the after Game Three. I, I looked at their bench, and I went, "Man, I have never seen this from the Warriors. Never seen that from champs. They look like they don't know what's up. You know, they looked rattled in Game Three. They looked gutted in Game Four. Now, can they turn it around? Absolutely. They're hey, they're champs for a reason, and they've been down this road, by the way, before. They were down three. They've been on both ends. They were down three one against OKC in 2016, and then. They were up 3-1 and lost that series. So they know both ends of this. And they know, by the way, 3-1 may seem impossible, but it's been done. Yeah, and there's a real recipe. And, and certainly you don't want to open the door even slightly for that possibility to germinate. And the Raptors will have to step up tonight. No question about that. Uh, Rod, it's, it's hard to believe that all this started with a loss on home court to Orlando, in mm-hmm. which Kyle Lowry did not score, but DJ Augustine for the Magic had 25 points. <laughs> That seems so long ago, brother. Yeah, I know. But, you know, hey, think about that, how good that was for the team. And they have won by losing. Every loss that they've taken, think about this for a second, every loss that they have taken, and rarely have they lost back-to-back in the Milwaukee series, clearly that happened. But every loss they have taken, they have learned something from. And, hey, we could actually, the parade probably could be today had they not lost game two, a game they should have won. Yep. So they, they, it's been a learning experience. They've learned and learned and learned. But that first game was a gut check. You know, they got kicked in the gut there against Orlando. And, you know, since that time, it, this, this has been uh, an incredible journey. And, it, and it, I love it because for us who cover sports, it's just not basketball. It's kind of a, you know, what we see in almost every sport, you know, the, the, the pitfalls and the failures and the adversity and, and learning from it. We've, you could write a great, great book or do a great documentary and I'm sure they will, I and mean, it'll be a bestseller should Toronto win in, in uh, you know, over the next three games, sometime over the next three games. Everybody will buy it, because guess what? Everybody's bought into this story as well. Well said, Rod. Thanks very much. We'll see you later today. All right, my brother. Yes, guy. Yes, guy. <laughs> yes, guy nation. Going to have a busy night. Thanks. That's Rod Black, TSN Raptors host, among other duties here at the network. Of course, voice of the CFL, figure skating, and has done... Uh, many Olympic stuff, and, and from uh, way back when, uh, did the Blue Jays, so uh, he has that reference point. Coming up next, Josh Lewenberg will be by, our Raptors reporter. The Raptors story full of resiliency and response to or call to action for response. It's a great story. It would make a great book, as Rod said, and uh, there'd be no shortage of people that would want to relive that through the pages 
of a nice book. Uh, so Josh Lewinberg is next. Uh, later on, we'll have Steve Simmons, uh, Jack Armstrong, Chuck Swirsky, Kurt Heeland, and a whole bunch of other stuff that's uh, sort of off the cuff. This is Raptor Shootaround, TSN 1050, TSN1050.ca. Also available in the TSN and iHeartRadio apps. Raptor Shootaround, TSN 1050. Jim Taddy with you until 1. Andy Petrillo and Leafs Lunch has the day off. So what we have lined up, I'm going to spill the beans. I hope I don't get fired for it. Uh, what we have lined up is 19 consecutive hours of Raptors coverage in a negative situation. That means if they lose, uh, we'll go off the air at 1 in the morning. If they win, we're going to keep going. So that'll be 24 hours on one day and 13 the next, which would translate into, I believe it adds up to 37 consecutive hours of all Raptors coverage right here on TSN 1050. And that includes the exclusive radio call of the game tonight. I'll be down at the uh, Scotiabank Arena at 7 for the pregame show, two-hour pregame show with Dwayne Watson. So the Raptors story is happening right here. Josh Lewenberg all over it as well. He's our Raptors reporter. Josh is with us now. How are you today, Josh? Doing well, Jim. How are you doing? Uh, very good. This is, a, you know, it's full of anticipation, but you, you know, I mean, you're reporting on this, and, and I am too. I mean, you don't get emotionally invested, but you are aware of the possibility of what could happen here. So as you approach this, obviously Kevin Durant is going to be a pretty big, uh, I guess, uh, decoy until he actually plays, if in fact he does. What, what's the latest on that story? Yeah, well, he's listed as questionable for tonight. I, I would be very surprised if he played just because, I, I mean, it hasn't seemed like he, he's been close up until maybe yesterday. Like, he hadn't been on the court. He hadn't been doing anything. Even yesterday, I, I don't think he got in a full practice. Uh, now, the Warriors were very careful to keep him off the court until the, the media window, the 30 minutes uh, that we have to watch practice, Closed, so we didn't see him do anything. He was on the floor, uh, at least to, in some capacity. Sound like he did some scrimmaging with the younger players. So we haven't seen him. We don't know uh, what he looks like, what he's able to do. Um, but even if he is able to get on the floor and play, which of course is not impossible, the Warriors are in a desperate situation. And if they can get him out there, they're going to do it. The question, of course, is what kind of condition is he going to be in? Uh, he was playing maybe the best basketball of his career before going down in Game 5 against Houston, but that was over a month ago. He's been out a long time. It's a, a serious injury that he's trying to recover from. Um, so if he is able to get, get out there, it's hard to believe he's going to be anywhere close to the old version of Kevin Durant. That said, to your point, Jim, I mean, he's one of the best players in the league, one of the best players ever. Having him out there, you imagine, would, would help give the Warriors a lift from a tangible on-court perspective. But then even just in terms of the emotion of it, just the, the, the Warriors' confidence and how they feel about their chances going into Game 5 and 4 the rest of the series, however long it lasts. Having Kevin Durant back, I think, gives them a really big lift in, in that from that standpoint. So it changes things for both teams. Obviously, the Raptors would have to change the way that they approach the game. Uh, it makes defending the Warriors so much tougher, having to deal with Durant as well as the, uh, the, the rest of the big three and Steph play and Draymond. It's what's made them so untouchable since they signed Kevin Durant uh, back a few years ago. So uh, the Raptors right now, I'm sure they're preparing as if he's playing. Uh, and now it's just a waiting game. I imagine the Warriors will leave it right up until game time before they announce whether or not he's good to go. 
So we understand your schedule. At 1040, the Warriors have their, their, uh, their shoot-around. Will you be able to tell anything out of that, or will that be something that, you, that is no, no indication of what's going to happen? I mean, I highly doubt he's going to do much. He's probably been, if, if he is close to playing, they probably have him doing individual work um, leading up into the game, working out, uh, doing his stretches, shooting around some, taking some jump shots. I can't imagine it's like a big physical uh, workout with contact. But like I said, I, I, if, if I had to guess, I think they take it up until game time. That said, I mean, they've been pretty quick in terms of the Durant updates leading up to every game up until this point. He hasn't been a game-time decision. They've ruled him out. I don't even think it's been the morning of the game. I'm pretty sure before every game, the day before they've ruled him out, which again indicates how far he's been from returning and one of the reasons why I think it's going to be really difficult to get him back for tonight if you're a Golden State. Um, So it's possible we get an update this morning, but like I said, I think if for no other reason than gamesmanship, keeping the Raptors on their toes, I think they'll probably take it to game time. Josh, you know basketball as well as anybody can. You have followed this team for a number of years, especially this season. When you look at that Game 4 performance that they came up with on Friday night, how, would, how does that equate to what you've seen all year long? Was that, was that something you were expecting, or, or did it absolutely impress you? It was really impressive. Uh, the second half specifically, and I guess if we're zeroing in even more than that, it would be the third quarter and the way they came out. I mean, we know the Warriors are one of the best third-quarter teams ever, maybe the best third-quarter team ever, and we were reminded of that in Game 2 with that 18-0 run to begin the second half, and NBA Finals record 18-0 run to begin the second half. That's what they do. They, I mean, they go on those runs, coming out of the halftime break, five, six minutes that just break you. It's demoralizing. And that's, to be honest, that's uh, sort of what I was expecting in game four. That was just the way the game was going, it seemed. In the first half, neither team played especially well. I thought Golden State outplayed Toronto, but neither team played well. Neither team could hit a three. Neither team would were, were pulling away. And we spoke at halftime, Jim, and I remember saying, like, all it's going to take here is a few minutes from either team hitting their shots, going on a run, and this game could get on a hand in either direction in a hurry. But, again, based on the track record, I figured if that run was in either team, it was going to be Golden State. But it was the Raptors that came out, I mean, very quickly. It was Kawhi Leonard in the span of 20 seconds, hit a long three, stole the ball, hit an even longer three, and before fans were even able to settle in and get back into their seats, the Raptors had gone on that run. So I I thought it was really impressive. Defensively, they were locked in at another level um, that we've seen a few times this year. But again, when when they're locked in, they're they're an elite team. Uh, It it was important. It it was much needed because the last thing you want, knowing that a Durant return is possible and and potentially around the corner, is to get locked into a 2-2 series there. I mean, still, Raptors and decent shape heading back home for what would have been a best of three the Raptors hosting two of those games but now you do what the Raptors could what people said the Raptors couldn't do for years and that's put your foot on the throat of a team that is vulnerable and the Raptors did that in game four 
Just a quick thought. I know you're on a time budget. Uh, the Raptors' ability to adjust, to come up with solutions to problems is uncanny, isn't it? Yeah, and Nick Nurse deserves a lot of credit for that. That's the reason, the biggest reason why they made the coaching change with all due respect to Dwayne Casey is they felt that they weren't able to make quick in-game adjustments at this time of the year that, that either the, you'd have to wait until the next game to say, okay, well, what happened? What can we do differently? How can we adjust? Or they, they would just be too slow to, to make that change in general. But uh, Nick Nurse has done a great job of that all postseason long. Um, he hasn't been afraid to make bold decisions in the game, before the game, Going into games, I, I mean, he, he has done that throughout the postseason. And, and uh, as he always says, some of the time it doesn't work. Some of the times you're going to make adjustments, you're, you're going to make changes, you're going to make a decision, and, and it, it's not going to be favorable. It's not going to work for you. Um, but it, it's better than sitting on your hands not doing anything at all. And, and then what you do when you make an adjustment and it doesn't work is you adjust from there. And I, I think the Raptors have been really good about being proactive with their lineups and, and with the matchups and, and everything that they've done here in the playoffs where they haven't been the team that's reacting. I mean, in some cases they have, and I think that's worked, where you look at, let's say, the Philadelphia series, where I actually think Nick was still sort of coming into his own. He was a little bit slow to adjust to uh, matching Gasol's minutes with Embiid's. That's a case where I do think it was reactive of, okay, well, this is what's working for us. The alternative wasn't working for them, so they go to it. They, they tether Gasol to Embiid's minutes. But ever since then, I, I think they've been the proactive team. They've been the team that's making the adjustment before you necessarily see that you need to make that adjustment, and it's been the other team that's been slow to react. To do that to a coach, a veteran like Steve Kerr, like I believe Nick Nurse has to this point in this series, is really impressive, and I'm not sure that that's the difference because ultimately, and he'll tell you this, any coach will tell you this, it's the players that go out there and play, and the Raptors are up 3-1 to in this series because they've got the better team. Kawhi Leonard and Kyle Lowry and those guys have simply outplayed the Warriors stars and role players in this series, but ultimately having the edge with in the coaching battle, as they have, has also, I think, contributed to the 3-1 lead. Josh, thanks very much. Appreciate it. All right, JT. Talk soon. Yeah, we'll see you tonight. Josh Lewinberg, the Raptors, our Raptors reporter. At JLU1050 is the Twitter account. And so he's off to the Warriors shoot-around, which will commence in about eight minutes. Um, so if I had to map out uh, these qualifications, uh, who has resiliency? Who has perseverance? Who has problem-solving ability like you wouldn't believe? Who can make adjustments in mid-game and mid-series? I mean, that is the Raptors, an A-plus in each category. Uh, that is championship stuff. There's, there's no question about it. When you go over, whether it's hockey, basketball, whatever, uh, if you're looking at, at what it takes to win a championship, uh, you have to excel in each of those categories. And not only do the Raptors excel in those categories, they actually show you more the deeper they get into the playoffs. I mean, I can't... Uh, underscore enough that game four victory and how they went about doing it. Uh, the Kawhi Leonard performance alone 
is is absolutely stunning. Uh, I charted uh, over the weekend. I charted uh, what each of the key Raptors did over the four games of the series, and then I charted what the teams did. And there are some interesting numbers. I don't think it gets any better than 36 points and zero turnovers in 41 minutes of play in a in a key NBA Finals game. You know how how tightly that guy is covered, and he didn't cough the ball up once. That's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, what a performance. And the thing that I like about watching Kawhi Leonard, it, it's been a while. Uh, you'd have to go back in the history books to, to find these people on Toronto sports teams. But, but what this guy does is the game is disintegrating. Go back to the opening quarter against Golden State in Game 4. There, there's nothing there. I mean, as Josh said, it, it started off, and I think Rod said this too, it started off pathetically uh, for both teams. I think the, the first bucket happened about 2.20 in. Uh, they were just missing shots at both ends. And so this game is just not tracking the way the Raptors want. And, and you're watching Kawhi play, and he's looking around, and he's seeing what's happening, and he decides to shoot himself. And they get 17 points, he gets 14. Uh, so they go into the halftime break. I'm just going to pedal back through my notes and, and see exactly what the deficit was at halftime. They were down by four at halftime. And so everybody understood that the third quarter was going to be key, and that Golden State has written a book on what to do in the third quarter. Nobody's better at it. And so the Raptors come out, and Kawhi Leonard, boom, Boom. Two threes in a row. The tone is set. And in that quarter, they outscore the Warriors on the Oracle floor. This, this is stunning. They outscore them 37-21. In that quarter, Kawhi Leonard gets 17 points en route to a 36-point game. I mean, you want to talk about beating the best in the business at what they do the best? That, I mean, that, that leaves a mark. That, that was absolutely impressive to watch that happen. And, and then, you know, and let's not forget, the Warriors had a 12-point lead. They don't blow those too often. So, really, when you're trying to describe the Raptors, it's, it's like a chameleon. It's, it's like whatever is needed in that situation. The Raptors develop that game, and it almost seems like it, it happens in an ad-lib situation. Certainly, when you go back to the box and one, that was an ad-lib call in, at a key moment in a game, a game one, uh, that, that actually was game two that, that worked when the Raptors were down, and, and so there's a, a situation where the coach calls a timeout, calls everybody over, and then presents the box plus one, and, and all of a sudden everybody understands, and, and they don't fight, they don't say, why would we do that? They go, how do we make this work? And then they go about making it work and, and reduce what, what should have been, what could have been a Raptors win, albeit with an 18-0 uh, Golden State run to start the third quarter. The, the Raptors clawed their way right back in and forced that down to a, a last three by Iguodala that, that decided the game in the other direction. But, but that's the kind of stuff that, that you want to pay to see. That, that's what brings you back. That's what engages you with the team is their ability to get the job done. Now, obviously, that's a, a pretty big contrast to what we had before. And it's not a knock against who was here before because it's all about the fit. How many times do I say that? Uh, when somebody, when the team doesn't perform, people are moved out and other people are brought in uh, because of their experience, because of their success in the past, and because of the fit. Now, you can't draft that. Uh, that has to come from somewhere else. And so you have to do asset management, which uh, the front office has done a really good job on. But th this team is just fun to watch. Uh, they get better by the game. Uh, the, the more you back them into a corner, the harder they come out. And uh, you want to talk about uh, sort of uh, uh, developing a, a relationship with your fan base. I mean, who in Toronto doesn't work hard? Are you kidding me? All you have to do is watch people drive to work or be part of the drive to work on a daily basis and realize that everybody does that going to and, and going back home every day. That's, what, an hour and a half for a lot of people one way. That's three hours a day, 15 hours a week in that car to get to the job. 
this team really represents the city the way it should be, and they are full value for all the uh, the applause they get. They're full value for for what they've done. Now I'm not going to go out on the limb and tell you what's going to happen tonight because I report on it. I have a, a good feeling, but it wouldn't surprise me either way. I'm prepared for that, and so are we here with extensive coverage. Uh, and Matt Cos will join us at one. He'll actually join us uh, the segment before one. So Leafs lunch is is not here today uh, due to this uh, developing story. We have at least 19 consecutive hours lined up. Should there be a win it'll be 24 hours that are turned into 37 hours all on uh, the raptors story what a day it is a lot of anticipation i know the weather sucks kind of right now but later on tonight according to the, the app that i looked at around eight o'clock it it's uh, it starts to clear up and and isn't that sort of poetic in that vein uh, coming up next we're, we have some sound from yesterday some stats to go over and that little um, sort of analysis i did on the team performance and there's a couple of numbers that when you're doing these charts you, you look down and you go really that happened okay uh, that that are a little surprising and certainly something you couldn't have predicted when the series started at 11 o'clock we have steve simmons 11:20, kurt helan he is the uh, lead nba writer managing editor at nbcsports.com chuck swirsky will join us at 11:40, former play-by-play voice of the raptors and and now the play-by-play voice on radio of the Chicago Bulls. Jack Armstrong will be by at noon. And, of course, at 1 o'clock, uh, game day, the Raptors edition with Matt Cause, followed by Overdrive, followed by the pregame show live from Scotiabank Arena. This is Raptors Shootaround, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, also available on the TSN and iHeartRadio apps. Yes, guy. Hmm. Raptors Shootaround, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. At our Twitter account, at TSN1050Radio, if the Raptors win, are you going to go to work tomorrow? Yes guy, no guy are your options. And I may have tweaked this because I have to work, so I voted yes guy. But right now it stands at 185 votes, 52% say yes guy, 48% say no guy. Uh, There's a lot of anticipation in the air, so let's go to Jurassic Park from News Talk 1010. Haley Cooper is with us. Haley, welcome. What's going on? It's organized chaos right now, Jim, and it's just been growing. I've been out here since around 6 o'clock this morning, and there's we're reaching, I would guess, close to 2,000 people already in line. And, of course, they've been lining up since Saturday. So they oh. had their ponchos, they had their tents, they have their tarps, and they're just braving the elements for this Raptors team. And what's the weather now? It's still raining? Oh, yes, it's raining. It let up for a little bit, but it's coming back. So, uh, yeah, everyone is soaking wet, and they're right next to the gardener, right? So (laughs) the water is splashing off from the vehicles, and they're just getting drenched. Yeah, it does come over the side of that. Uh, so, how do, I mean, how do these people do this? I mean, obviously you need food and, and drink and, and, of course, facilities if you're going to eat and drink stuff. How does that happen? <laughs> so I asked about that. Um, a bunch of guys I spoke with, they had uh, Domino's pizzas delivered to them last night right on the sidewalk. Um, and they have their coffees and their drinks and some adult beverages. And I asked them, you know, what about the facilities? And they said, well, we're using the buddy system. So two of them will leave the line, and they're just hoping that, uh, you know, the people around them will be nice enough to let them back in. And they said there's been no issues. These people, they're coming as strangers, but, you know, you become friends with your neighbors very quickly in a situation like this. So you say there's 2,000 people there now? Easily, easily. It's, it's, uh, it's starting, you know, right where Jurassic Park opens up. Right. And it's reaching around Scotiabank Arena, um, you know, up Lakeshore and and Bay. That's great. Haley, thanks very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. 
That's Haley Cooper from News Talk 1010. So the lineup has started. Well, it started on the weekend. Uh, and I'm going to head down there from here around 3.30. So when I get there, I, I would imagine it probably be all along Front Street and, and down York again. And that's hours, many hours before. The tip is at 9. Pre-game show at, at 7. So the Raptors, as we are painfully aware and, and joyfully aware, one game away from their first ever NBA championship. And, and as Rod Black pointed out, the Larry O'Brien trophy has been here before by Canadian players who have won. Uh, but it'll be awarded for the first time. The key thing about that is not just awarded to a Canadian team, but awarded on Canadian soil. And, you know, winning, if you think back over the number of years to uh, when your favorite team has won at home to win a championship, I mean, first of all, you don't care where it happens, but it's it's uh, really special when it can happen at home, which is the opportunity tonight. And uh, should it go that far, there would be another opportunity in Game 7. Uh, so this is a special moment for the country, for the franchise, and for everybody here. Uh, the, another question that comes out of this who is the who has been the second best raptor in this series because we know uh, that Kawhi is head and shoulders the best and the series mvp likely uh and, and that could only happen if, that could only not happen with disaster so we're going to just pencil him in that way without being presumptuous at all but you know who is the second best and so you have to go back over your list uh, from game to game it changes which is kind of a remarkable story and a slight contrast to the way the Raptors were in the past. And, and certainly in the last game, it was Serge Ibaka who came off the bench, played 22 minutes, was 9 of 12 in the field goal shooting, uh, one for one for three-point land. And from the line, he had one shot and canned it. Uh, he also chipped in with uh, four rebounds, an assist, couple of blocks, and 20 points. So he was the second in that game. You can go back to other games where it would have been Siakam or certainly was Gasol in green. I think that was game three. And uh, Kyle's in there as well. So it's uh, sort of a, a, a rotating cast in terms of who plays off the greatness of Kawhi Leonard. And that's got to be hard to defend against. So we'll see who the number two guy is tonight. KD status, no doubt, the biggest storyline. So you wonder what kind of an impact. He's missed nine games. Uh, you wonder if he's going to play, then you have to prep like he is because he practiced a bit yesterday, but that was uh, behind closed doors, so you don't know exactly what he has. But you have to count on him. If he's in the lineup, he's not going to limp around. He's going to be able to play. Go back to Clay Thompson. We didn't know what to expect in Game 4, and he had a pretty good game for the Warriors. He played 42 minutes and chipped in 28 points, so he was a going concern. And if you go back to uh, add what he and Curry did, 27 and 28 points, so quick math, what is that, 56 points? And so 47 out of Curry alone the game before, so they got the right production out of the uh, the guards in game four, but just didn't work out for them. So I would assume that if uh, KD plays tonight, he's going to make a contribution. He's not going to just uh, show up and then not be able to play. They wouldn't dress him or they wouldn't have him on the floor if, if that was the case. And does having Kawhi Leonard ease the thought of slowing down KD? You'd like to see that matchup. Uh, another point here, the Raptors are 7-0 and when Serge Ibaka scores 10 points. Raptors are 5-1 and when Marcus Gasol scores 10 points. So that sort of relates to that who's going to be the second best Raptor. And maybe it's not just one who is the second best Raptor. Maybe it's two or three guys. You know, the one of the, the, the nice things to watch happen is when you get the full Raptor look. Uh, that is a, a pretty good show. Uh, what else do we need to know? Freddie Van Vliet will wear a mouth guard tonight. He had the hockey injury in the last game, had the uh, the stitches, seven stitches under the eye, and popped a tooth. And and do you remember what he said in the post game? Uh, didn't didn't appreciate the hockey thing. Doesn't want to be a hockey player, but but boy, he took it like a Torontonian. There's a good way to describe that. Nick Nurse spoke yesterday, and he was asked if being even keel is something the Raptors need.
need more now than ever. Yeah, I mean, I, there's still a lot of work to do, Doug. I mean, we got to uh, keep some focus and, and improve on some things and make some adjustments and and um, do the work, right? I think there's a, there's a lot of basketball to be played yet. Again, we try to ignore what the score in the series is and and we get more concerned with making them one one game one game series if we can. Do you personally do you personally change your uh, next 24 hours and how you prepare for a a game against a team that's obviously as desperate as the Warriors are? I don't think so. I mean, I'm, I got I got a lot of work to do yet. You know, I still keep reviewing, and we put our um, ideas together of what what they may change personnel wise or coverage wise, or what they may run against. You know, some things they they see that they've added here. You know, in the last game or game game or two, and just keep mulling it over. You know, until you get to decision time before the game tomorrow. Have you processed at all the idea that you're a win away from winning an NBA championship? No, I just know we got to go win another game, and I've tried to try to do that all through the playoffs. Just just look at the next game and and go win it, and uh, I imagine everything will take care of itself from there. Do you do you find that the players have kind of embraced? that too there doesn't seem to be a lot of celebration after these wins no they've been good right i think again our collective iq our experience and uh our demeanor um has been good after these games we'll see tomorrow you know but but so far they've gone in after games and and um talked about continuing to work and improve and there's there's still a lot of room for improvement so we get another chance to to do that tomorrow Nick, you've been here for a little bit. Did uh, what does Alex McKechnie do that's so impressive to you? And is it something that you've never seen before from a, a sports science and training staff? Well, it's certainly something I've never seen before. I'm, I'm uh, again, I've I've never coached at this level where we've had uh, this type of uh, expertise, right? Um, and from my standpoint, I'm, I'm not sure half the time I know what the hell he's doing. I just know that I trust him 100%. And uh, he's got a tremendous experience. He's innovative. Uh, and when he tells me guys are ready to go, I play them. And when he tells me guys aren't ready to go, I don't play them. If he tells me guys are need to play 10-minute stretches, I do my best. I don't always do it. I do my best to keep it at 10 and under. Whatever, whatever he is, I just uh, that's that's the level of trust that I think you. Um, I, I'm lucky to have. I mean, you know, it's it's not fun trying to guess who can play, who can't play, or whatever. And we just leave that up to him and his staff. From where you guys were in the last round, you know, almost down 3-0. In which case, maybe we don't. We're not here right now. To winning. You know, seven of eight against two of the best teams in basketball now is a, obviously a pretty incredible run. Uh, is there anything you could have, when you got through that game three, where you could have said, okay, now we're about to take off? Was there any signs that your best basketball or such good basketball was coming? Um, I, I don't know specifically from that game. I, just, I felt that w one of the times I felt really good in this playoff run was game one at Milwaukee, which we lost. We just hit that dramatic buzzer beater to advance. We got on the plane the next day and had to play 
less than 48 hours after that, and I thought we came out and played unbelievably tough. The ball didn't bounce our way that night. We didn't get any breaks, but I thought we outplayed them for the for the course of the game. And then when we went down two to them, I still our guys were like, "We're okay. Let's just get back home and get one, and we'll get this thing turned around." So that that's probably um, a moment of of where I thought the team had something inside them to keep on going down a foundation of defense. And I think if your team puts down a foundation of defense that they're going to try to bring each night, you, you put yourself with, you know, you put yourself in position to win most nights. That is Nick Nurse as he spoke yesterday at the media session. So just a couple of things before we hit the top of the hour break. If you go back over the last 10 Raptors games, they're 7-3. and three, But based on what Coach Nick said there, and I think you would agree, there was only one game that was a bona fide loss. That was Game 2 against Milwaukee. There's Game 1 against Milwaukee that was winnable, and Game 2 uh, against Golden State that was winnable as well. Uh, I'll tell you an Alex McKechnie story later on. Everybody has their version of Jurassic Park, and that includes Rockford, Illinois, the home of Freddie Double V. They will have their Jurassic Park moment tonight. Coming up next, Steve Simmons, Kurt Heelan from NBCSports.com, and Chuck Swirsky. This is Raptor Shootaround, TSN 1050.